everybody, and welcome to this episode of Cantori and You. Good one for you today. We've got Dave Kooning of The Killers, founder, lead guitarist, uh, talking about his new solo project as well as his departure from The Killers in a live capacity. He's still with the band, but uh, we get into it here in this forthcoming interview. Do you want to thank our sponsors before we roll in? Tory Holistics, been with us since day one, legal licensed dispensary for recreational and adult use here in the San Diego area and serving North County, the closest shop to the North County with a delivery service for San Diego County. You can check it all out online at toryholistics.com, family operation, uh, and have been doing things above bar since day one. They're all about the cause and educating consumers and uh, doing things on the up and up out there at Tory Holistics. Also want to thank Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. If you're planning a trip to Baja, you can't drive south without auto insurance. All your personal belongings, in fact, can be, well, most of them insured through BajaBound.com. They've been around for well over 10 years and just a one-stop shop. Whether you need a day policy, weekend policy, you can even get annual annual policies from them. I was down in Mex just a couple of weeks ago and had the time of my life. Uh, border weight aside, which was friggin' horrend- horrendous because uh, I drove back at the wrong time. Midday on a Sunday, talk about a rookie move, but uh, thankfully I did have Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance on me at all times, so that certainly helped the situation and made for an exciting and awesome adventure south of the border. Surf Gaviotis, uh, it was awesome. Also, big thanks to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing our background music. Uh, Jake, a dear friend, and uh, kind enough to lend us his awesome music here. So thank you to Jake as we seg back into Koenig, which would be the name of the solo project. Dave Kooning, our guest who's been a resident here in San Diego for uh, well over a decade. We talk about that and uh, a lot of stuff in this forthcoming interview. So without further ado, Cantori and you. Howdy, Dave. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Of course, man. Thanks for kicking my ass in fantasy football. Um, yeah, except that one. Yeah, I think my team's a little better than yours, but yeah, you're doing okay. Actually, I think one of my only wins you pointed out was yeah, against your it was team. Against you, so I can't talk too highly. But your manager did point out that I'm in last place. You're in last, yeah. <laughs> so, have you? Uh, are you into the sports? You don't really hear too often, you know, active musicians really following along with fantasy football. But no, no. I mean, in the fir- my friend demanded I do it about. 10 years ago and the first two three years i didn't pay any attention i didn't really care it's like whatever oh i showed up for the draft so i wasn't a auto drafter right and then like the middle of the third year i kind of was like bored on tour killing time and i was like i kind of sick of losing <laughs> so i started to pay a little closer attention and i started i had no chance of making the playoffs that year but i started to be a pain in the rest of the league's but i was like beating all the people trying to get into the playoffs because I think I'd like put together a pretty good team and I was beating them towards the end. And then, and then in a, uh, 
yeah, then I started to pay attention, and, and it's, it's a little more fun if you know what's going on. Yeah, so, I'm trying to get to that point myself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably where you were 10 years ago, mm-hmm. dipping the feet in, and now I'm going to start being a problem to people in the final weeks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not in it to win it. That was a $100 charity on my part. I just yeah. I wrote that one off a long time ago. Yeah, I never do the money leagues, or I guess ours is like a little bit of money, but I never do those. The big money leagues. The, the draft kings or whatever, that that just have no interest in that. Yeah. This is just for my friends. So. Of course. And uh, how are things these days? I understand you're venturing out on your own, which is, uh, it's got to be an exciting thing. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, singing for the first time's a little a little nervous, but, but kind of fun too. But yeah, I'm just excited to finally get all my music put together album coming out January 25th which seems like a long time away still for me but playing these songs this week before the album's out so and what is that like you know stepping in front of the mic for the first time after years you know you've done backing vocals and uh-huh. stuff but it's got to be daunting when you're used to someone else carrying that load if you will right it's a little daunting I'll be honest it's uh I wasn't sure I wanted to do it in the studio. I had all these songs and I got them as far as I could. And then I was like considering other singers and other bands, other friends. Some lived out of town. And, and it was just was one of those things that wasn't happening quick enough. And the computer and microphone are right there in front of me. <laughs> and the engineer was there. And I'm just like, okay, I just gave it a try. And then um, another one to try. And I didn't necessarily like it at first. I didn't like my voice but I kind of had to find my voice you know like I just saw that Queen movie which is amazing by the yeah, way I haven't seen it yet it's awesome and I wish I could sing like Freddie Mercury oh, but I'll do. <laughs> you know I, I I think maybe I don't know what I thought I was but um I when I first started singing I I was not Freddie Mercury I had to kind of find my range and what was me yeah you know my own voice and it's it's a little lower uh, but it it's enough to uh you know make the songs work and you know I don't think of myself as like oh I'm this great rock star or I'm this exciting front man or any of that I didn't nor did I when I was playing just guitar but in a weird way it sounds hokey maybe but I kind of had to trick myself you got to trick yourself that you're at least a little bit that because you can't you know I didn't want to just stand there yeah in front of people They're the old fake it till you make it bit <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't want to just stand there and be boring for the audience so I would I would do that with the killers on guitar so I don't it's probably be something similar yeah know, for this and I'm gonna be singing like you said I have a terrible time talking in front of an audience but you know uh whatever I just roll with it and for, I think get these first few under my belt yeah might be uh might start to be a little easier Maybe I'll have to get some liquid courage to get up there. We'll see. <laughs> I just saw a star is born, so I know what that's yeah, all about, man. Exactly. Did you see that movie? I did. Did you like it? I liked it just because, you know, it was a fun music movie, but some parts for me were unrealistic. Me too. I thought so. I mean, I was like, man, this guy really can't keep it together. But I guess if he could keep it together, then it would be a boring movie. But, right. So I was like, okay, fine. You got to do that to make a movie out of it. But I was like, give me Jesus. This guy's really a mess. What I'm curious about, though, is I remember first hearing the news that you were no longer touring with the killers. Mm-hmm. And, and I know for some, when they hear that stuff, they're like, what? Well, how could somebody do that? Leave one yeah. of the biggest bands in the world and, and not go on the road with them? And, and when I heard the news, I said, it makes perfect sense to me. Being a guy who's almost 50 years old, 
I can't even imagine keeping up with that. That's I don't think I personally have the strength to do it. No, it's a lot. It's it's like your life has to be all in. I wish it was a little more of a compromising situation where, um, you know, the, the schedule was a little more balanced. But what it was for the first seven years of the band was make you make a record, then you tour, and you're, you know, we were gone for like two years on Hot Fuss, and maybe you're back like a week here, a week there, like maybe once a month or, you know, but it, you're gone for the better part of two years. And when you are home that week, people think, oh, well, you get a week. The week off goes like, it's like, feels like a day. And you're just trying to recalibrate yes, yourself, right? you're trying to recalibrate. You, you land, you don't do nothing the first day. A couple of days go by. Now you got to start thinking about doing your laundry to get ready to go again. Yeah, and 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 tie up any loose ends while you're home for that brief time, and then, and then you got to get ready to go to the airport again, and and be gone for another month, and and then when that tour is over, we went and recorded another album, and then we were gone for another two years, and and I I loved touring really up until about halfway through day and age because that was the same thing. So we. We finished Sam's Town. We took a few months off, what seemed like an eternity. Oh my gosh, we got a few months off. <laughs> it, was, it was debated at the time. Um, and then we recorded, and then we did another tour. And then by that time, I was like, man, well, this I'm loving life. I'm in the biggest band. I, I'm, all my dreams have come true, but am I ever just going to be at home to yeah. like enjoy the house I bought that... I like Family, hardly ever even in it. Friends. You know, I, I I had a son at that time. You know, my son was born at the beginning of Sam's Town. So. That alone, that alone, I can't be away from my kids no. for twenty four hours, and I start getting squirrely and weird. So you know, that's a it's a big part of it for sure. Some people, uh, I know guys in bands who um, quit on the spot once they have a kid, and they were like, "Oh, I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that. That's that's game over for me." And but I had to make this choice. You know, I'm not going to walk away from like you said, a, a very big band and all my dreams coming true. So I stuck with it for a long time, but I think I was just hoping that eventually the touring would be a little less or that I would have a little more say in what the schedule was. But it was almost like an ultimatum, like you're doing the whole thing or you're doing nothing. Because yeah. it was the hardest decision for me was to not tour i i loved playing the shows i still love playing the shows i still love all the fans and i miss all the fans and some fans are you know mad at me for not touring or, or think i'm lazy for not touring it's like lazy that it'd be easier to tour everyone everyone's waiting on me i show up and play a show for two hours and you know like and then you kick back for the next i'm sorry that's two hours it's it's not hard what's the hard part is is being gone so much you're constantly in a in an airplane or a car to the hotel or a bus. And then you're just kind of looking out the window, daydreaming about being home most of the time, you know? And finally I was just like, well, man, I just gotta take a break. I don't know if I can do this forever. And I, to be honest, I think it might've been wearing on my, my health a little bit too. Just maybe I'm just not cut out to like always do that. I don't know what, if it was affecting me mentally or it was hard to eat right. It was hard to sleep right when you're, constantly changing time zones and I have sense on a like a different diet and everything just to kind of 
oh, I don't want to get into a diet I conversation. Get it but but yeah. I could understand the fan side where they feel like you're letting them down because you're not going on the road with your band. Oh, exactly. And and it's I remember when I was in high school and I would hear about guys not being in band, my favorite bands, and I'm like, what? I'd kill to be in that guy's shoes. I yep. would do anything to be in that guy's shoes. Why would I ever quit? I would put up with anything to be because that's all I was doing was practicing guitar five hours a day and dreaming of having that opportunity. And then I had the opportunity and I became that guy that, <laughs> that couldn't do it the whole, all the time. And it's crazy. But I remember having that same thought when I read an Eddie Vedder article in Spin Magazine right after the first record came out, before the second one came out, and they just republished it. Where mm-hmm. Eddie, being from San Diego, was bitching about fame and popularity. And I remember going, what an idiot. I mean, come on, Ed. What? Come on. You're in Pearl Jam. Yeah. Until years later, and you learn more about life and how life works, and you learn about the industry. And, and now I read that same article at almost 50, and I'm like, he was spot on. What an insightful 23-year-old. Yeah. He called it as it was, yeah. as yeah. he was in the middle of it. Where someone in, you know, if I was in that position, I would have been, you know, post Malone, popping Cristal and, you know, driving in Bentleys. Yeah, he he had it right. And uh, I, I mean, I don't look up Pearl Jam's tour schedule, but maybe they don't tour as much as the, they tour know, a lot, band. but it's in yeah, chunks. It's in chunks. It's not a year round machine. Yeah, that's probably the way to do it. I can't just see myself being gone for a year and a half to two years. It's just, it's tough. But you're I, still uh, a member of the band, technically, I am, right? As of now, I'm technically a member of the band. I've, I'm writing material and they're sending demos to those guys, even though it's very, very early stages. They're like barely getting started on the next record, and I can't really. I have no idea how involved my stuff will. Depends on if it makes my stuff is accepted and used or not used. I, I, I guess I'll see you when the so record's done. It's kind of like done. you're submitting in the year old. Didn't you start the band back in the day? <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I mean, I I think it helped because I helped start the band because I didn't, being the only member from Iowa and, and that everyone else was in Las Vegas, they didn't make as much of an effort to get a band going, I think. I, I moved from Iowa and then I'm picking up the Las Vegas City Life and the Weekly and and then I'm like trying to start bands because they have like free ads in the back that you right. just like band wanted yeah, metal weekly. metal band needs drummer casino band needs saxophone player etc. Impersonator exactly <laughs> it's full of that stuff so I put my own out and it, like almost everyone I've ever met is because of that like I met my first girlfriend that way and then that's like not usually part of the story but a year and a half <laughs> a year and a half of dating her and then we broke up because she was a musician that's how i met her okay we we started this thing and then it went nowhere and then when we broke up i was like well i'll put out another ad (laughs) it worked the first time and and that's when i met brandon so then i put out another ad i was even considering moving back to Iowa. i was like uh maybe i'll move back i'll put out an ad one more ad and i'll see what happens and so i put that out that ad and brandon had also just gotten out of a relationship that is you know or the lyrics to some of our biggest songs like Mr. Brightside are about that relationship, so he's getting out of that relationship and I'm getting out of mine and we both wanted to start a band and he he answered mine because it had Oasis in it and you know that was a one of our common bands we liked and uh, came over started working on music right away and I handed him a cassette tape of a demo of Mr. Brightside that day and. 
then he came back the next week with those lyrics that Damn. are still that, that are still the lyrics of the song. He just, and I was like, that's pretty good. I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, thought of that. I was like. You like, knew it hit at that point. You knew you had something. I I really did. I I knew it was an awesome song. I didn't know if it would be a hit on the radio or anything like that. I thought if it gets a chance to be on the radio, I, I was like, I bet people will like this. Yeah. I was pretty confident about that. And but. even to this day, that guitar lick is like noted as one of the top. You know, your yeah. riff, one of the top like twenty in the world. You know, of all time, just based on that hook. And to think it started with a classified. I know. Is pretty crazy. <laughs> I know. Now, did you? And I know this is such a, such a trite and just over asked question, but I am genuinely curious as I, I get to know you, and you seem extremely mellow and just kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. You don't seem to be an ego-driven human that was seeking this fortune and spotlight. That being said, did you ever think it would get to this point? Did you ever think that the band would become what it is today and where you're sitting right now? Honestly, I did, and I, and I don't think that's because I have a giant ego. I just thought, may, maybe I was naive at the time, to be honest, but me and Brandon, we were writing good stuff, like like Mr. Brightside and other stuff, and I was like, I was confident that if, I wasn't sure it, was ever, it would happen, but I was like, if we get signed, if it's on the radio, if all the right things happen, that, that I, I bet people will like it. I was actually inspired almost by reverse because of the early 2000s. There was a lot of bad music on the radio in the early 2000s. And I really thought that this song is better than what was on the radio. And I was right. Mr. Brightside was better than what was on the radio in the early 2000s. Because that's when I started at 91X, and that's when we were forcing Stain. Yes, all that stuff. Corn and Limp Bizkit, and it was very... Just male-driven, testosterone yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you guys came out with, whoa, New Wave is back. Yes! Yes. At least was, that was my vantage. No, it, 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 it was like a breath of fresh air compared to that. I mean, I like, I do like metal, but I was like just, that, that couldn't be the, the only future of music at that point. It was getting, I think, a little stale. So, yeah, we came out and af- we came out after the Strokes, after White Stripes, and then and then a bunch of bands started to come out around mid 2000s and yeah. at least some some good stuff was happening it was like kind of the i don't remember music being that exciting since really it was an I exciting agree. exciting time at least a little bit of a you know something happening before that it was like the early 90s and now we're kind of still waiting for the next big thing but Greta Van Fleet or Fleet or whatever they're called. I said Fleet <laughs> Greta Van Fleet yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean they're the next big thing right I don't who knows man I'll tell you it's so hard to really figure out where music is going. Do you find yourself, because I'm just a consumer, you're a musician, do you feel mm. the displacement or just this lull that we're sitting in right now? It's Yeah, it's a combination of a lot of things. The, like the record labels, they only want, they're only interested in some kind of like grand slam for sure, you know, thing, whether it's just an, uh, you know, whatever or, or yeah like a pop thing that's safe for they're not really like taking chances on like rock bands so then they got to kind of get out there and do it themselves in a sea of other bands they're competing with on the internet which is the internet's a good and a bad thing of course you can argue about that for hours i don't want to but it it helps sort of unheard of bands get big but then you're just competing with so many bands so i don't know i I don't know if there's another style left to play 
or, yeah. or what, or what will be the next big thing. But. It's interesting, though, because I even find myself where I used to look at these uh, bands doing the farewell tours, or the bands that are going through and just reliving other portions or parts of their career. I used to kind of scoff on that stuff, mm-hmm. but showing how there's this low that we're talking about in the format, I actually find myself getting so excited just to see a rock band live and live yeah, music yeah, yeah, yeah. that the vehicle that I used to kind of make a little fun at, oh, here we go, another farewell tour. I'm like, bring it. <laughs> yeah. I need to hit a system of a down right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm kind of like worried that, because I'm younger than most of these bands, that someday I'll be around when there's like none left or something. That's me too. I'm like, I please, someone come out along. Like, I actually really like the struts. Struts are fantastic. I like the struts, and um, some people are like, oh, well, they sound a little bit like this. And I'm like, good. Who cares? I don't care. At least they're playing guitars, and and they have good songs, and I'd love to have 10 more bands like them. I'd be fine with that. So when it comes to your solo record, where, as far as musical influences, or what, what are you pulling from? Is this an extension of what you've been doing in the past, or are you trying to really pivot and do something completely different? Um, it's a little bit of an extension of the past, but I also am basically doing whatever I want. Like, I've got guitar-driven songs, I've got keyboard synth-driven songs, I've got some acoustic songs, got a couple that are like a little experimentally or whatever, and um, I just kind of, I thought about like, oh, should I do an acoustic album or a rock album? And I was just like, nah, I'll just do a little bit of everything, yeah. whatever I feel like, and that's probably what I'll continue to do. The only complaint I've got is that is that they, people want a little more guitar, but they've only heard two songs. So there's <laughs> there's plenty of guitar on the album, and I'll you know. And where are those uh, complaints coming from? That's family like, and friends, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. What do they know? Uh, yeah. You're always told at the beginning, never listen to family and friends, even <laughs> when they're telling you good stuff. So if you're not going to listen to the good stuff, don't listen to the bad stuff. Yeah. How long did it take you to put the record together? Is this something you've been working on for a really long time? I've been working on it for about a year, like a few weeks at a time. Um, it's been done for a while, and and then all the stuff after that was seems like what took longer, like how to put it out. I was like, cool, I'll just make a couple calls and put it out in a month. <laughs> that didn't happen. Doesn't work that no, way No, and so this was a big learning experience because now I was putting this out myself and you know well it's sort of now being put out on 30 tigers but i didn't that took a few months to get figured out all that took time to figure out and so big learning experience having to do it all myself instead of probably humbling too right very humbling and at times it feels like i got a full-time job at home just following up with people and checking email and stuff that i thought like oh that'll take a half hour i'll just check this email and you go down an email wormhole and all this, you know, six hours have gone by. Yeah, man. And I don't like that. Oh, that <laughs> I hate stuff. it. I hate that stuff. Yeah. But again, I guess it's, it really is, I'm sure, a huge life lesson, too, because you already mentioned, to use your words, you're used to living on a road where everything is catered to you mm-hmm. and you were given whatever you want on demand. And this is probably a whole different world where you are, you're back at square one, putting yourself in a pretty vulnerable place. But I would imagine that also comes with great reward, too. Yeah, I guess the reward is just that the music is finally out there, and now I've got gigs because I was watching other bands and envious of them around town. Like, I should get a band together. I should play around town, or I should play this festival. And, you know, 
have the the control to play whenever I want that I didn't have necessarily in the Killers. I just play wherever I want, whenever I want, and and now I finally have that. Yeah. You know, after I made an album and did all this stuff. How long have you lived in San Diego for? I've been living here over twelve years now. Dang. Yeah. You're a full local. I know. It's crazy. My son's thirteen, and it's that. I guess that's another thing not talked about with it touring when you're. When you live in San Diego, you're like, so why would I leave for a year and a half? Good point. I don't understand. I live in San Diego. I guess if I <laughs> exactly I lived in Alaska, I'd probably still be on tour or something. But or no offense, Vegas. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 that's yeah. personal experience, though. Yeah. After three days, uh, I might not be alive by day four if I'm no. in Vegas well, that I long. Tried to get the other guys to live here so I could maybe suck them in. Yeah, but it didn't work. <laughs> and uh, and your son is he a musician? What are what are his interests? Because I've got not, a thirteen year old or twelve year old as well. He he likes uh, making videos on YouTube and stuff like that. He that's but he's not really a musician. He he's slowly practicing guitar. Um, he was brave enough. He got his courage. I don't have though. He was brave enough to sing a song at the talent show. Dang. Not he didn't do guitar. He was like just like a karaoke kind of thing. And um, he did it with confidence and the whole school loved it. And I was like, well, good for him. I was yeah. like shy my whole life. And he just got up there and did it. So maybe maybe he'll be a, a singer someday or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's funny though, because you know, working in radio and around music for as long as I have, you hope that that will, you know, your son will have the same interests as you, obviously. And yeah. I just remember being his age and just, you know, listening to the Smiths or U2 in my headphones and going to sleep with that music just permeating through my dome. Mm-hmm. He has no interest. He wants to play Fortnite. Exactly. Fortnite. They, they fall asleep dying at Fortnite or exactly. whatever. So that's, and I'm like, what do you listen to? And I'll ask him, like, what do you like, buddy? I don't know. Kendrick Lamar, Post Malone. Yeah. I'm like, the Beatles. Exactly. Yeah, no like, interest, man. <laughs> It kills me as a parent, but my no. daughter, I, I'm, I'm hoping she's going to be the one. She's the one who has the guitar and the keyboard in her room, and she has an interest. She's not practicing, but yeah. it's there, and she's interested. No, I, I know what you mean. I've had some parents that almost give me like a a, a dirty look when I'm, they say, they say, oh, so does he play guitar? I'm like, oh, not really. And they're like, really? It's like, I'm like, well... I'm not going to force anyone to do anything, you know. Like exactly. My dad owned a plumbing and heating business, and he never forced me to do anything. I know that he wanted me to be into it, and I did work for him for several years, and it was never my thing. I never, and it's, it's amazing to me too, because some of the other employees, that stuff comes so naturally without knowing anything. Some guys just know how to fix a car without ever being taught. Yeah, I don't know how. Guy. I'm not that guy either. I don't know how to fix nothing. Nope. So my wife gets um, mad at me. Yeah. She literally gets mad at me. I ask you to do all these things around the house. You don't do them. Little she knows I don't know how to do them. No, no, <laughs> n- me neither. I so I think I always knew that that was not. I was never going to own the business. But guitar, I you know, I've I told the story recently. I, I, I'm this will show how old I am. So it's embarrassing. But I'm old enough to that we had a Sears catalog. Yeah, and then you would pick what you wanted out of the Sears catalog every for Christmas your, for your Christmas list. Of course, yeah. And I, I remember I put down my 10 things I wanted most, and I had the, it was like a cheap Sears guitar at the top of the list. And they got me everything on the list except the guitar. <laughs> and I was like, huh. 
because they're like they were they're a little conservative and maybe they, and it was like a time of like kiss and motley crew were putting then maybe that's what they thought that Devil's was going to lead to of course join dio but no i just went over to my friend kurt godike's house and he had a guitar that he wasn't playing and i gave him 40 bucks for it and came home with it and surprised him and like oh where'd you get that and i'm like oh, i bought it at my friend's house i practiced it like five hours a day because i wanted to Yep. You know, you can't, like you said, you can't force it on anybody. But I, I wanted to. I practiced it every day, all day, five, six hours. How lear- old were you learning song, point? 14. 14 years old. 14. And I remember I was, uh, I was grounded around, right around the same time um, for like a long time because I got caught for some vandalism. Happens. In a small town, throwing eggs. Hey, that was my bit. Halloween, the eggs. I think I stole the eggs to use the eggs, and then I got caught for both, and then I blamed it on someone else, and I got caught for lying, and it was a whole terrible thing. Sure. I I was like on probation, and, and I was like, so they're like, so you're not going out at night with your friends or on the weekends for quite a while. I was like, cool, got my guitar in my room. I'm just going to practice. I'll be in here. Let me know when dinner is. Yeah. <laughs> I just practiced. I was like, I was totally cool with it. Had you not egged that house, would you be in the killers today? I still would have practiced. <laughs> I, so? No, I, I really would. I still, because I practiced. I didn't have that I, discipline. After I wasn't grounded, I, I continued to practice and practice, and it, and it was to the point where my senior year, my parents were like, you should, you know, meet some friends or get out there and meet some people because I was a loner, basically. I'd, Just locked in your room. Those, you yeah, hear those I'd, stories all the time. Yeah, I wasn't interested in meeting other people I just or making friends. I just wanted to go home and practice and, you know. True musician, though, man. And that's really what would separate the real musicians from the phonies or the people like yeah. myself who were just on the fringe those of us who didn't have that discipline. I even see that with my son these days, and it, and it bothers me as a parent because he was just talking about basketball. We, you know, He's really good yeah, at baseball because yeah. he practices a lot. Yeah, yeah. Basketball, he loves playing, but he didn't sign up this year. And we're like, why? And it's because I'm not good. And you're like, well, why aren't you good? He's like, well, because I don't practice. And would you consider practicing a little bit more and maybe you could get good? And he's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, a parent, I'm like, oh. It just really just comes down to disciplining and the repetitive. So it's like, oh, I don't want to do drills. I don't want to practice yeah, shooting the yeah, ball. Yeah. Needless to say, that's really the only way you're going to get better and stand out yeah. amongst your peers. It, it's true. Which yeah. was your, obviously, see, now were you the guy at the uh, the talent shows at school that would get up in front of the school and like blast some cover note for note and blow everybody's minds? It, it kind of happened once or twice. Okay. But... Never sang that back then, of course, but I, um, yeah, like by my sophomore year, I, I played a song with some, some buddies. I think we played like Aerosmith Living on the Edge or something. <laughs> um, I love it. So, yeah, we played that, and, um, and then that led to me being in the jazz band, so I was in that, and that made my parents happy that I was doing that instead of satanic music or whatever that rock and roll yeah yeah well i couldn't wish you any more uh luck and encouragement with this new solo endeavor man i really welcome it and think it's awesome oh thank you so much thank you so much i'll be playing around here especially as much as i can so yeah anything we can ever do whether it's the radio station or through my little network uh u-y-e-w happy to help out and would love to extend the love any way i can awesome thank you
there you have it. Thank you so much to Kooning Dave for stopping by and hanging. Loved our chat. Check him out tonight at the Casbah and pick up his new record, Solo Endeavor, this January. And as always, thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing the background music that you hear right now. You can follow them on Facebook along with myself at Chris Cantori on all the social platforms. And uh, until next time, be well. Much aloha. Appreciate your support as we continue to build out our little network here. In addition to this show, please check out the Monday Mass with my dear friend Chris Cote. Uh, Let me drink about it with the Jakes, the Jacobs. And uh, Trailer Nasty with Vicky Barbalak from America's Got Talent. We've got quite the little crew here, and uh, we so appreciate you on the other side. Until next time, all the best. <laughs>